Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Thursday, December 30th. Last episode of 2021. It's actually been a while since we've done this. The uh, holidays uh, affected both myself and Dan to the point where we couldn't get together for a pod. But we're back now, even though Dan is uh, kind of toughing it out today. A little bit under the weather. Dan, how you feeling? Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about before we... Uh, we got on here, but it seems like the whole world is a little under the weather at this point. Um, nothing earth shattering, but uh, we'll play through it. Uh, not, nothing that's going to get in the way of this wonderful pod. You're sounding better now. A second ago when we were talking, you sounded like when they're trying to protect somebody's identity in an interview and they modulate their voice. That's what you sounded like when I first came on. I was like, should be a great fucking pod. This is gonna, this is, <laughs> is going to be awesome. That, I was going to ask how your Christmas went, even though, you know, I know we've talked about it, but I, I, I've got to bring up the fact, and maybe this is playing a part in your illness. You do this thing around this time of the year, every year, where you go on like a two-week holiday bender, pretty this much. Is, yep, this is very true. And, and, I mean, to be honest, like, this is the first year I feel really taxed afterwards, but, like, <laughs> I don't even know if the bender's truly over, um, because we have... Well, like, tonight I'm going to the Blue Jackets game, and then obviously, like, uh, New Year's Eve's coming up, and my wife is a huge Michigan fan, so they got that game, and I'm sure that'll be part of the festivities. So, yeah, really, I took, like, a kind of a two-day hiatus here to recover, um, but we're, we're just going to pick up right back where we left off. All right, every day for the last couple, like, I'll, I'll be getting ready to go to radio at, like, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, and you're texting our text group, you're like, Switching from bloodies to bourbon. Here we go. I'm like, I'm like, it's it's two in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, I, <laughs> I really, I don't really have an excuse for my behavior. I really look forward to this time of year. Like, I, I build it up so much, like before it takes place, and like now's about the time where I'm contemplating all my decisions I've been making. But uh, yeah, I, I have to get back on the horse by tonight. There's no other option. Um, first jackets game of the year. They've been off for a while, so pretty excited. Is anybody selling pipe now that you're <laughs> you've been drinking yeah. for two pipe, pipe sales? I just just plummeting. Pipe pipe is still moving, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know how much I have to do with it, but uh, pipe is still moving. <laughs> well, the, there's no way to accurately sum up all the things that have taken place since the last time we did a pod, because I believe the last time we did a pod was the what the fuck is happening day when we couldn't figure out if um, you know Vince Tyree was leaving or what was going on with Neely Bendapudi. We had no idea that Neely Bendapudi was about to bounce for Penn State in the middle of the night. So safe to say some stuff has happened since the last time we talked. We, there's no way to summarize it all, but we will talk football. We will talk men's basketball. Uh, we will talk a little bit about our, our holiday experiences overall. I guess let's start with football since the season – is now officially over, and that, that's the good news. We don't have to watch U of L lose another game in 2021, so there's that. Uh, we don't need to talk, I guess, specifically about the bowl game at length because I think by now people are kind of tired of hearing about it. So let's let's start with this. <clears throat> Louisville. The big talk going into the season was, you know, the fan base is not really ha- having an extreme opinion on Scott Satterfield. There aren't many of the, you know, Satterfield's the greatest coach ever. Satterfield deserves to be fired right now. It was more like, eh, I'm kind of okay with him, or more, eh, I'm kind of not okay with him. Let's see how this season goes. Now, six and seven, the first back-to-back losing seasons for Louisville football since Steve Cragthorpe's last years of 08-09. And I feel like, and I'm sure this will temper off a little bit in the months ahead, but as of right now, like Scott Satterfield kind of feels like one of the least popular people in Louisville. I think the fan base is just kind of fed up with not having good things happen. And the eight months ahead, we talked about it this whole season. If you don't win big, if you don't finish strong with the, with a you know win over Kentucky or at least a good performance against Kentucky and then a solid performance in the bowl game, those eight months leading into the 2022 season are kind of unsellable for UofL. And I think that's where we are now. I, I think we have – in eight months ahead where it's almost impossible to sell this fan base on Louisville football being a good product in 2022, or at least a product that's at the level that the fan base wants it to be. This is, um, this is a weird time to be a U of football fan right now. Yeah. If anything, the loss to 
Kentucky and then the, the loss to Air Force. And yes, there, I mean, are there excuses built in there? Yeah, but every team is going through adversity this time of year right now. But if anything, those two losses, we, as a, as a fan base, we, we've kind of reached a boiling point together is, all right, well, this next year is it. You know, if next year doesn't, it doesn't pan out. Sorry, somebody just rang my doorbell. Um, I don't know <laughs> doorbells. Uh, but if next year does not pan out, there's just absolutely no way, um, you know, I, I can see it going beyond next year. Uh, and, and to be honest, he's probably going to get at, going to have to get off to a hot start, um, you know, just to win some of these fans back. Cause right now, um, you know, it, like you said, it, it feels like we're losing a big portion of the fan base. There's really nothing at this point to get excited about. I don't think even staff changes. Uh, there, I, there's no way we're going to make a, a big earth sta- earth shattering staff change that's going to change the perception in my mind. You know, the recruiting is what it is. Yes, we've picked up some nice transfers, but we've also had some key guys transfer out. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it, it's really not a great time right now. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things, you know, if the athletic department doesn't want to go all in and, you know, have a mediocre product or something different than the mediocre product on the field, then I don't think the fan base is going to go all in either. And that's kind of the point we're at right now. So until something is done, I just it, it's going to be hard to, to get fans back on the bandwagon. And I don't think you're going to see, I know there was a, I guess a quote that Eric Crawford put out there after the game on, on Tuesday that apparently was a little bit misleading saying yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of staff changes and all this stuff. And then I guess L reached out to Crawford and clarified like, no, th- th- there's not. Um, we may hire some new guys, but it sounds like everybody who was coaching in that bowl game is going to remain in place for 2022. So. Yay. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I'm not here to call anybody out, but I, yeah, you I, are. I am. I mean, the defense, I mean, I, I, you know, did the offense stall in the red zone? Yes. You know, should we have thrown the ball better against Air Force? Yes. We started to click there at the end of the game, got going a little late, but, and, and I know we had some guys out on the back end, but my God. I mean, this isn't Justin Herbert we're facing back here. I mean, that kid looked like he, you know, like the throwing motion of a JV high school quarterback. He looked like a, a an actor playing an athlete in a bad movie. Like that, I mean, that's what it looked like, like, like the Kurt was, Warner movie. I'm like, this guy can he really throw? <laughs> it was. I, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. It seems like every time we need to bring pressure, we don't. You know, um, every time we bring pressure, we get burned. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't really know. And this is, you know, Brian Brown's, you know, coming up, what is coming up in his fourth year. Uh, we really have not seen an improvement on that side of the ball. You know, yes, have our numbers gone up? Of course they have, but it always seems like we make just enough plays to lose the game. You know, there's not a winning mentality on that side of the ball, especially. So, I don't know what gets that fixed, um, but I know I'm sick of seeing it, and I'm pretty sure most of the fan base is as well. I mean, we've got guys who look like the second-string wide receivers for St. X's JV team streaking down the middle of the field, just (laughs) wide open, and then making us fall down like they're fucking Lamar Jackson in the middle of the field. It was uh, – that game overall, and I I know I said we weren't going to talk about the game specifically, but we can talk about it briefly – that game was so symptomatic of this entire season, and really the last two years, where it's not like they were flat-out terrible. It's not like they went out there and just got blown out. They did some things well. They held the number one rushing offense in the country to half of their per-game total on right. the ground, and their lowest yards per carry average of the season at 3.1. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Great job, Brian Brown. Of course, they also let a team that had not attempted a pass in six quarters of football throw for 252 yards and two touchdowns. It's just, they cannot get out of their own way. Like, nothing is ever, there's never a time, at least not when we're playing Duke, 
where everything's clicking at the, at the same time. If they're doing one thing right, they're doing two things wrong. If they're doing two things right, they're doing three things wrong. The offense, like you said, they were moving the ball effectively, especially in the second half, and then you get like a questionable Adonis Boone holding penalty or a face mask call after a play has already stopped or unnecessarily rushing to the line to run the same play on fourth and one, which, by the way, Air Force, smart kids over there. Yeah. They know that when you rush right to the line immediately after running a play, you're always running the exact same play that you just ran. Every team in America does that. They knew what was coming. They were ready for it. They stuffed it out, and uh, that pretty much ended up deciding the game. Also, we went from having the most accurate kicker in America inside of 50 yards to a guy who can't come within 40 yards of the uprights for some reason. Like I, I just don't understand what's happened with this team, and I know that I understand where Scott Satterfield's coming from, where after every goddamn game he's saying the same thing about us being close and just being one or two plays away, because he's not wrong. Yeah. But at some point, that becomes who you are. At some point, the team that can't put away a 17-point lead in a fourth quarter, the team that can't you know, put its foot on the neck of an opponent when they get them down by 10 points uh, late in the third quarter, you're going to keep finding yourself in that situation. And if you don't have the culture or the whatever intangible – to make the plays necessary to win games, that's who you are. You're, you're yeah. a team that can't put games away and then can't win when it gets close. And we've been that way for two seasons now. And at some point, like, it, it no longer becomes a viable excuse. It's just you've lost four more games than you've won over the last two seasons. That's all that matters. Close is not good enough. Win some fucking games. And that's where we are going into 2022. Like, there's, it doesn't feel like the Steve Cragthorpe era where – Going into his last season, everybody knew what was going to happen. There was no hope that that team was going to overachieve, and everybody knew it was going to be Steve Craigthorpe's swan song. I think a lot of people believe that year four will be the last year for Scott Satterfield. But would I be shocked if that team went like eight and four? And oh, Sat- Satterfield like, no. is—I mean, he's hands down a better coach than Steve Craigthorpe. Like I could see Satterfield if things don't work out next year, go to another program and do actually really good like I think he's a good football coach but for whatever reason I mean our program right now I mean like you said it whether it's a culture thing whether it's a mentality thing uh, they just seem to know uh, not know but they just seem to always have in the back of their mind they're you know something bad is going to happen or they're you know they're one play away from losing the game and at some point like when that happens and I know most of these games, I mean, the games are on the players. I get that. But, like, a coach has to win you, like, one or two of these. He has to do something, you know, uh, to make something happen. But just right now, I don't know. It's just like the players know that the other shoe's about to drop, it feels like. And yeah. I don't know how you get that turned around. I don't know, you know, especially in one season. Because, I mean, we're not really going to have much turnover as far as, you know, I guess we are going to have a little bit of turnover with, like, transfers and stuff. But it's going to be mostly the same guys in those building, you know, like you said, with with the coaches sound like they're coming back. So, I, I mean, are we going to support the program? Of course we are. But do we have, like, you know, good thoughts and good feelings going into next year? It's If I said yes, I'd be lying to myself. And it's not like – over-the-top angry feelings. I think it's just right. apathetic. It's people just being like, well, I'm sure we'll be 6-6 six and six again or something like that. And it's just – it's like we settled into this comfort zone of mediocrity and it's not where anybody wants to be. And I mean, you're right. Like, I don't go into Saturdays like I did with when Ron Cooper was here or Steve Craigthorpe was here thinking, like, we're not going to play hard. We're going to get blown out. When we fall behind by two touchdowns like we did against Air Force, I expect us to come back and make it a close game. When we get ahead by two touchdowns, I expect us to, to shit the bed and, and let it become a close game again. It's not like every Louisville fan is going into every game thinking, you know, is it going to be a 20-point loss or a 30-point loss? We're just waiting to see how this team finds a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory this week. Like, that that's what it's become. And I agree with you about Scott Satterfield, although he has done some head-scratching things. I'll never understand the clock management at the end of the first half, which oh was, what the not, was not just a first responder bowl thing. It's been a problem for <laughs> three years now. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the staff understands the rules of football that like <laughs> you don't get to keep the ball 
on the field where it was when you start the second half. It changes possession. Um, we don't act like we know that that's what takes place, and that's frustrating. But I still think that Satterfield, like, you don't have the level of success that he had at App State without knowing what you're doing. I think he knows what he's doing. My biggest question, and I know he's he said otherwise, and he's trying to show us otherwise, but it's hard not to, to speculate, and it's hard not to feel this way. I don't know if he wants to be here. Like, I don't know if he likes being Louisville's head football coach. And I don't know if the culture fit is right. I think that that's the big takeaway because, look, Louisville is a program where the right coach has had almost the highest level of success here multiple times. We know it can be done here. We know Satterfield can have success. We know he can get the job done on the field. And for whatever reason, it's just not clicking here. And I don't know who to to, to blame for that. I think – and if Satterfield's saying, look, of course I want to be here. This is a great job. I, I'd love to be here. You're going to have to start showing us, man, because the, the South Carolina thing spoke volumes. The fact that you don't seem to have a whole lot of energy either on the sidelines or after games, that kind of speaks volumes too. We need you to show us a little bit in these eight months ahead that you kind of want to be the head coach here, that you're enthusiastic and you you believe you can get the job done and you believe you can be the guy here for a long time. Because as of right now, it's hard for me not to doubt that. And, and you're right. We're bringing back a lot of guys next year, most notably Malik Cunningham at quarterback. There should be at least a little bit of hope going into the, the, the summer that this is a team that can be better than it's been the last two years. And... They also opened the season with a pretty manageable stretch. Like they're, I don't think it's been announced yet, but they're going to play Syracuse in their season opener, which is a team that we have repeatedly kicked the absolute shit out of since we joined the ACC. Is it at Syracuse? It'll be at Syracuse because we've played them. We played them here three years in a row because of yeah. COVID, which is weird. Um, it, it'll be at the Carrier Dome, and who boy, if you somehow don't win that game. You want to talk about apathy turning to anger very quickly. That's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to have to get off to a hot start next year to have any hope of reeling this fan base back in. Yeah, and I I don't know what the right coach is for us because, like, I'm looking at, like, the coaches have had success. Like, Charlie Strong and Bobby Petrino are, like, two complete opposite people. Not exactly Uh, sat guys. Yeah, not exactly sat guys, but – like, I feel like Cragthorpe and Sat, they, they, they do kind of have maybe the same sidelines in me. So I don't think it's like one specific thing like our fan base is looking for in a coach. But you're right. It just doesn't seem like the passion is there. And again, we're not at practice. We're not in the weight room. I'm sure, you know, stuff beyond closed doors. I mean, the players really do seem to care about the guy. So I have no doubt that he connects with the players, um, connects with the coaches, but you know, the results aren't happening. And and that's basically what it comes down to. It's a results-driven program. The fan base expects more. And um, like you said, you know, these next eight months are going to be key getting ready just for game one because, I mean, you lose that, wow. Talk about uh, the fan base turning their backs for the rest of the season. That would be tough. I'm going to tell you, and, and this is a personal thing, so maybe people listening don't feel the same way. Maybe you don't feel the same way. But one thing that ha- absolutely has to change in my mind moving forward is this this passive voice that Satterfield does after losses where he acts like it's just something – like he just lost a lottery drawing. Like this happened to us. Like eventually, you know, those plays are going to go our way or, you know, the you know we have a, a, a bad break here, a bad break there. You're in control of these things, dude. Like, like, like yeah. I- I'm sick of hearing the like – well, it just – he talks about – football games as if it's the weather like like one of these days it's not going to rain when we're trying to play one of these days we're going to get a good like take control the the, the bad plays didn't happen to you your guys made them happen your guys didn't make the plays necessary like start acting like you're an active participant in these losses and that you have some control over this like you're, you're not just going out there and letting the chips fall where they may you're the fucking head coach like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do better than that and that, let me that let me ask you Brian, Brian Brown, I mean, he's one of Sats guys, right? Yes. So obviously for that reason, it seems like he does not want to part with them. But, I, I mean, I just I, – I don't understand it. Do you think he's scared that they'd almost be starting from scratch by bringing a new defensive coordinator in? Is it a, you know, a scheme thing? I, I just – 
I have a hard time, you know, riding out someone who's been this unsuccessful in four years. And yes, I know what he had to work with when he came here. Um, but like if, if I'm on my last year and I know like it's make or break and like this is what I've seen the past four years, I'm probably going to bring somebody else in, um, whether, whether I'm close to that person or not. I mean, this is my job on the line. So I, I just don't understand from that standpoint if, if he were to bring him back, but that's just me. I mean, starting from scratch is, a, is like a dream right now. Like, yeah. I, I would, you, you talk about not wanting to go back and starting from scratch if you've seen signs of progress. We're not seeing progress. Like, I get that he inherited one of the worst defenses in Power 5 conference history after 2018, but we finished 82nd, or, or at least as of right now, I know there's still more bowl games to be played. We're 82nd in total defense right now in the country. There are only 130 FBS teams. 82nd is not good. And I think we were 88th in his first year and something like 56th last year because the you know, COVID year was weird and, and so many teams didn't play. Like We're not seeing the level of progress, if there even is any progress, that you need to be seeing from a defensive coordinator going into year four. I think that, because I mean, my understanding is Brown's not going anywhere, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If I if I sucked that badly at my job for three years, I would expect to be fired. Um, but like you said, Satterfield and Brown have a close relationship. Satterfield clearly believes in him. I do think that you're going to see Louisville go out and hire another co-defensive coordinator to replace Court Dennison, um, which, I mean, Court was co-defensive coordinator in, in name only, really. How many... Like, do we ever talk about the Court Denison defense? No, it's always been the Brian Brown defense. That's, I think everybody knows who exactly is calling the shots there. So I think you'll see a new defensive coach hired. I think you'll see somebody hired to replace Stu Holt to coach the, the tight end, Stu Holt, who left for Virginia Tech. And then I think there's at least a possibility that Satterfield goes out there and hires an official offensive coordinator and, and doesn't just make himself one. And that could just be one of those trying to take some of the pressure off of me or alleviate some of the you know, duties that have been weighing me down type deal. But I, I don't think that's a guarantee. But like I think all the guys that we saw coach their positions on Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon, they're going to be here again next year. And that's not exactly, I think, what anybody wants to hear. But, man, yeah, it, the defense has been bad. There's no way around it. And it hasn't gotten a whole lot of better. They've had flashes against bad teams. But against the best teams they've played, they have shown no signs of being able to slow down anybody. And yeah. that's on Brown. It, well, it's troubling that UK, you get absolutely pulverized by the run, and then Air Force, you get torched through the air. I mean, so it's not like we're, you know, we got one thing to work on. I mean, it's just an overall thing. But I don't know. I mean, it's been negative long enough. I do want to give a shout-out to Jawar Jordan. I mean, what the hell? Yes. Dude, he was unbelievable. I, it was like, it was almost like, uh, this is my favorite thing Petrino used to do back in the day when he would like basically hide a guy all year. <laughs> Play like, with the ball game. Here, yeah. And then here comes like this kick return. I'm like, who the hell is Harry Douglas? Do you remember this? So in, in, in 04, the Liberty Bowl, you and I and all of our friends, we went to, uh, to Royal Lex in Lexington, yeah, Lexington for New Year's Eve to watch that game. And I remember like all of us, like, we're like, Let's fucking go, Zeke. Zeke Parker, baby. Here we go. Yeah. And they're like, deep to return for Louisville is Harry Douglas. And all of us were like, who the fuck is Harry Douglas? <laughs> and he ended up being pretty damn good. Yeah. No, I, 100%. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jawar, Jesus, he ran the ball so hard. I was like, give this kid the rock more. Um, I mean, and Travion had a good game as well. I think running back is, like, the one thing where – we're we're not worried that that um and I guess quarterback for the most part but he looked really good I just wanted to give him a shout out um he was know. incredible I mean and he almost changed the, the whole tide of the game with that kick return I I'm curious to see where his place is on this team next year because like you said you got Jalen Mitchell presumably coming back <laughs> um Trevion Cooley has sent out some pretty vague tweets. He's doing the thing, and I've talked about this on the radio show, but he's doing like the the 2009 Facebook thing where you would post a very vague passive-aggressive status to try to get attention, and you'd be like, you know, Danny Sennard is just tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just... 
man. This sounds like every girlfriend I ever had from like, oh, I know. through like 2012. I'm like, was that directed at me? Yeah, so sick of this. When's it going to change? And then like, <laughs> like every comment is like, you okay? It's like, yeah. And it's like giving no details whatsoever. That's kind of been like, like Cooley's been posting a bunch of statuses where it's like, if you don't use me now, you're going to regret it later or something like that. And, I mean, he could be talking about a girl. He could be talking about a, a class. Like you just He's like, Chick-fil-A's been closed on campus lately. I'm just as <laughs> yeah. It could be that, but I think at this point, because he played in the bowl game and he was a part of a, a lot of the promotional stuff that they did, you assume he's going to be back. And then you bring in Tyon Smith from Tennessee, and like talking to my friends who are Tennessee fans, every single one of them, and it's like four of them, are like, that dude's unbelievable. Like, he was our best running back last year before he got hurt. Um, he may have had some issues going to class or whatever. That was the, the rumor. But he's absolutely a superstar. Like, and, and sorry to Keith Wynn. Keith Wynn's like, he'll probably be our most talented offensive player next year. So you've got him in the fold. You've got your returning starter. You've got your returning primary backup. And then now Jawar Jordan, who, like you said, he looked like our fastest back on, on Tuesday. And he ran so damn hard, too. He was delivering some blows. I wonder if it would be able, if it would be possible to like convert him into kind of a slot guy, maybe use him as like the way we use Tutu Atwell because we were missing that a lot this year, and now you've lost Jordan Watkins already. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it feels like we're pretty set at running back. Where we're not set, Dan, is in the secondary, where we, you know, Trey Clark will be back. You assume after missing a lot of the year because he was hurt. You now lose unexpectedly Greedy Vance, who that says he's going to transfer. No and then Brian Brown, who I guess is just wrong about everything, is at his press conference is like, well, he's got some family stuff going on. He wants to be closer to home in New Orleans, so that's where he's going to transfer. And then Greedy Vance goes to Florida State a day later. And is like, I, We looked it up. Tallahassee is seven hours away from New Orleans. I don't think that that's the reason why he's making that move. But he probably would have been your starting corner opposite Clark next year. Now he's gone. You're losing Quinterio Cole to the uh, the next level, but you're bringing in the kid from Temple who probably should should start right away at safety. We got to get a couple more defensive backs because I don't know if uh, it was apparent enough on Tuesday, but the guys that we had who hadn't played a whole lot this year, I don't think are good enough to step in right away and uh, and play uh, next year. So we're gonna have to get better there. Not a whole lot of depth at that position, and then wide receiver, we're trying to to bring in some guys and bringing in the, the transfer from Miami, D Higgins. And then getting the flip uh, from Florida State on signing day, I'm sure helps there. But still, got to develop some guys in, at that position as well. But everywhere else, you're bringing a whole lot back, so it's one of those, I guess, good and bad news type deals. Yeah, I mean, I'm confident and in, in ever in the offensive line, quarterback, running back, um, D line. I know we're trying to build depth. Uh, I hate that we're losing C.J. Avery. That guy was an absolute boss. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, really, my eyes are just on the defensive side of the ball for the most part. Are there things we can improve on on the offense? Of course. But um, we're, we're not going to go anywhere if, if the defense doesn't improve. All right, we're going to switch the conversation to hoops here. Before we do, I want to remind you guys, this podcast brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. If you missed their big sales for Christmas, uh, for Black Friday, no shame in that. You can still save money. <coughs> With your purchase at Homefield Apparel by using the promo code Chronicle15, all one word at checkout. That's going to save you 15% off your first order on any Homefield Apparel order, whether it's Louisville or one of the other 375 schools that they've got. They're adding new schools every week. Follow them on social media uh, at Homefield Apparel without a e on Twitter. It's at Homefield Apparel on Instagram. They're updating you on which new schools they're unveiling. And if you just want Louisville gear, it's the best place to go. I'm wearing my Louisville Hoops uh, sweatshirt right now. They've got all sorts of cool retro designs. They have the most comfortable sports clothing you're ever going to find. And, again, you can save 15% by using the promo code CHRONICLE15 at checkout. Check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dan, let's talk a little bit of basketball. And if really, if we had been recording this pod pretty much at any other point in the last three weeks, the, the, I think the tone would be vastly different than it's going to be right now. But we're coming off the heels um, of a Louisville victory over Wake Forest on Wednesday night that put the cards at 2-0 and in the ACC despite a lengthy COVID pause. Um, we didn't get the U.K. game, obviously. I don't think it's going to be made up, which sucks. It feels wrong, even though it seemed like we were up against it. Well, let me, let me ask you that. 
because I, I think there was a little bit of a, a fan base divide. I'm on the side of even though it, it felt like we were going to lose that game and maybe lose that game handily, I wanted it to be played. Like, like I, I'm going to like making all the jokes of, you know, we haven't lost to UK in 789 days or whatever. Like, it, it'll be fun to do that. But still, this game has been played every single year of, of our lifetimes uh, since 1983. It felt it, it felt like we were missing out on a holiday when the, when the game didn't take place. I, I, I'm upset. I wish it could be made up. I don't think it's going to be. But there's another side of the fan base that says, why would you want to play Kentucky if it looked like you were going to lose? Um, I'm fine with not playing that game. Plus, it pisses them off, which is an added bonus. Which side do you fall on? I'm more on your side. I mean, these last two college basketball seasons have been just been very choppy and just really no flow or continuity continuity to it. Um, so, like anything to kind of keep things on the norm, I'm all for. Uh, would we have been up against it? Yes, probably. It seems like UK is really starting to hit their stride. And um, yes, we did beat Wake Forest last night, but uh, I, I'm still pretty cautious about this team moving forward. But I'm in the same boat as you. It's a rivalry game. I want to play it. I like the banter. Um, you know, I like the feeling, the butterflies you get before the game. Um, but yeah, I, I really what I want is <laughs> just for this season to, to be as normal as possible. So hopefully at some point we can get there this season. We're not there right now. There's no, no question. I mean, we've got uh, like, like what, 75 teams in COVID protocols. Yeah. Um, with the CDC shortening the, the, the quarantine requirement for people who test positive from 10 days to five days, I feel like that will help not just college basketball, but all sports. Um, so hopefully we've, we've faced the last of it. I think it sounded like a lot of our guys got COVID this go round, which, you know, you hate to say is a good thing, but it means that if there is another outbreak somewhere, you're probably going to be safe. I mean, who the fuck knows? Like, I, I say these things and we've got no idea. Like, like we, everything that we end up saying winds up being wrong two weeks later. So there's no point in trying to project these types of things, but maybe we got it out of the way. Who knows? Uh, regardless, Louisville took the, the court for the first time in, in almost two weeks last night to play Wake Forest, a Wake Forest team that was untested, but still 11 and one. Uh, had one of the better players in the conference in Alondis Williams. And although it was not a work of art, Dan, to, to put it mildly, um, exciting finish last night. The teams go uh, six consecutive possessions where they hit three-pointers and the lead changes hands. Noah Locke finally steps up and makes some big-time shots late. Malik Williams was terrific. And at the end of the day, all that matters is Louisville gets the win. 2-0 and in the ACC now. First place in the uh, in, in the conference. Suck at Duke. And I'm like you, this game didn't change my overall outlook for the rest of the season dramatically. I, I still feel pretty pessimistic about our chances of making the NCAA tournament. But it's crazy how, like, even when I have this feeling, this sort of blah feeling about football and about men's basketball and about a lot of things going on with U of L athletics, just winning a game changes my mood so significantly. I, I've been so much happier for the last, like, 15 hours than I would have been if we'd lost that game. It just it feels good to have some hope. And if you beat Georgia Tech on, on Sunday, and then you should beat Pittsburgh on Wednesday, all of a sudden you've got a little bit of momentum. And, and maybe we can start talking about, can this team do some good things? Has this team figured some stuff out? Um, but that's where we are right now. It's it's still it's still kind of ugly for long stretches. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But it felt like we at least took a, a semi-step forward. The biggest thing that I liked seeing last night, and I'll let you talk after this, is just the emotion. Like, like it, it felt kind of like an old school, I say old school, like five years ago, feel inside of the Yum Center Wednesday night. The crowd going nuts, the players going nuts after every made shot, Mason Faulkner doing a, a gigantic dance, even though we're only ahead by two with like 19 seconds left. Like it, it at least, it at least felt good to see all of these guys seeming like this really, really mattered to them. That That was nice. I agree. And you never know. I mean, a win like that could just do wonders for the players' confidence. Um, it, it has seemed like some of the guys, um, have, have maybe been playing a little bit, you know, even though it seems like loose, I guess you could say with the ball, but maybe they're playing a little bit tight or unsure, you know, of what they can and can't do. But, um, that, that did feel, I don't want to say like old times, but maybe a, a glimmer of old times like last night. Uh, and it was nice to see some shots go down at the end, obviously. I mean, we know what happened in the, the Western game, which was, which was hideous, but, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, Wake, they're, they're a nice team. I know people are predicting them to, you know, maybe finish in the top three. I, for, I just think the cream of, you know, the blue bloods, maybe not Virginia, but I, I think the, the name brands might end up rising, you know, throughout this season. I mean, can uh, we just but, say real quick that Corey Alexander acted like that Wake Forest team was going to the goddamn final <laughs> four last night. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, I think they're the second best team in the ACC. I was like, Corey, are you kidding? What, what are you doing, man? Like, I mean, yeah, I, I was, uh, our man Corey <laughs> says some questionable things, which I, I mean, like, I think he's like an actual nice person, but he does say some questionable things. The but, classic, uh, the classic Dan nice person. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, I don't want to rag on the guy. We Corey Alexander and Scott Satterfield, the same person in Dan's eyes. I'm going to say that you're nice right before I torch your ass for being a moron. I will say this. I like Forbes a lot. Like, oh, I, I think. I think he is dynamite and I really do think like he'll get that program up into the upper echelon of the ACC for, you know, the, the next five to seven years or however long that he's going to be there. Um, and I love Alondis Williams. I would pay money to have that guy on my team. I think he's incredible. Um, a shout out to Jared West, uh, locking him up like the last, I don't know, whenever he came back yeah. in after the foul trouble. He did a wonderful job on him. Um, they had that fluke kind of loose ball three that really was nobody's fault. We had just guys yeah. die for the loose ball. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, are there things that give me pause to just flat out, you know, pump my fist and celebrate? Yeah, 100%. Um, but, you know, I'm never going to downplay a win that was big. We're 2-0 in the ACC, as, as down as it may be. You know, you throw up a good record in conference, and um, that's something that the committee has to take seriously, no matter how bad some of our out-of-conference losses are. So, um, yeah, happy with the win. Um, <laughs> there are some guys that we still need to get going. I was really happy with Sam last night on the offensive end. Um, man, that, that's like those plays were like the plays I envisioned him making when we recruited him. I was yeah. like, Jesus, like where the hell has that been? But um, you know, credit to him, Noah Locke, you know, I, I like Noah Locke, like, I, I know it's one thing to say this when the ball is going in, saying, like, I like that he, like, has, like, no memory when shooting, um, because it did help us last night, like, you know, he missed a big shot, and the next possession he came back down and drained a three from almost the same place, obviously he hit the big shot at the end, um, Malik, he's been great for us pretty much all year. Um, you know, steady as can be. So let's just start kind of piecing it together here. Um, and make a run. Like you said, these next two games are winnable, although I'm never going to count any game with this team as an absolute, like chalk it up as a win because yeah. we can lose to anybody. Um, but nice to see the guys get a, get a victory last night that they can enjoy. It's funny you bring up that Noah Lock sequence because I had the exact same thought where he misses what looked like was a really, really good look that would have put us ahead by five. And then it's his man that hits a three from the corner right. wide open that puts them back ahead. <laughs> and then he takes that three again. And it when it when it goes in, I'm like, man, I, I love the that's the shooter's mentality, right? Like he's got the stones. He he forgets about it right away. If he'd missed it, I would have been like, let's fire this guy to the fucking side. <laughs> like, like right away, I was just like it's a great thing that you made that. I think it's time. I think it's time for the staff to have a difficult conversation with Noah Locke because it, it's painfully apparent that we need Noah Locke catching and shooting from the perimeter. Like that's his game. <clears throat> we don't need Noah Locke dribbling. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure that when Chris Mack and company were trying to, to lure Noah Locke over here from Florida, I'm sure, you know, he has said he, he's, sees himself as a combo guard. He wanted to play on the ball more this year, wanted to handle it more, wanted to have the ball in his hands, show off his overall playmaking ability. And I'm sure Chris Mack and company said, you'll be able to do that here. It's a role that, that we're willing to let you play. It might be time to go back on that because you can see why Florida, why Mike White used him the way he did. He's a lethal catch-and-shoot guy. He is not a lethal off-the-bounce guy. And – I know he had a little bit of success in the mid-range early on in the season. That success has completely disappeared now. And he hurts us when he's putting his head down and driving into three guys in the cluttered paint or trying to make plays um, on the fast break. Like, he needs to just kind of go back to that role where he's catch and shoot. 
because he he killed Wake Forest that way, but he also hurt us a lot of times when he was trying to do other things. I, I think it's time to probably have that talk. Also, I, Malik's been fantastic. Sam, I think I, I liked seeing him get the start last night. I know it was probably because Matt Cross was one of the players who was just coming out of quarantine, but he took full advantage. He looked kind of like the guy that we saw more times than not during the second half of last season. Got 12-8. and eight. That's what we need from Sam. Uh, he can help us out a lot uh, immensely if he's able to do that on a consistent basis. Jalen Withers still, yes. I think, I think a mystery. He hit two big threes, and that was, you know, yeah. like, like he's been taking those shots a lot. He just hasn't made a whole lot of them. We need him to do other things. He tried to do some other stuff and wasn't really successful. Uh, Dre Davis also had a little rough game. I don't think with Jalen, by the way. Like, I, I, I think he just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, right now, like, even you can just tell, like, when he gets the rebound and brings the ball up the court, he has no idea whether to, like, take this to the rack, like, take his guy, or to, like, you know, circle back and, and run the offense. Like, he, he, yeah. he's just very hesitant on, on his decision making right now. You know, he'll have an open three and he'll pass it up or, uh, he'll, he'll make the wrong decision when driving. So, you know, he's just going through a funk. Um, you know, I, I hope he can snap out of it, but it, it, I don't think it's an effort thing with him, and I hope he, he's able to, you know, kind of get his mind right. But we're we're going to need him throughout the, the last half of the year, no doubt. Can we give some props to our guy, Sidney Curry, last night? Yeah. Who, uh, I mean, at, at a time when Louisville really needed some sort of jolt, he comes in, gets a couple of putbacks, draws a couple of fouls. Um, one of the fouls on a shot that he missed by about five feet. It was like a five foot shot that he missed five feet to the left. Not a hundred percent sure that he got fouled, but uh, we'll take it. Banked in a free throw. That was beautiful. He did, however, like I, I think every Louisville fan in the world was doing the same thing when he came down with that offensive rebound and he's got like three guys draped around him. Everybody's like, kick it out, 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 and then boom, airballed layup. Like you knew, you knew it was coming. But it was hard to hate on my guy Sid. He gave us some big time minutes. It was nice to see him uh, having some success down there. Uh, JJ Trainer still just not playing. I, it's it's hard to see him. I guess being at Louisville next year, as long as Chris Mack is, because I, I just it's, it's a weird not, thing. Yeah, I just did not see that coming before the year. Um, you know, I don't know from a development standpoint in practice what's going on. But what, going back to Sidney Curry, uh, that could be a potentially pretty big fine for us because he is like a legit ACC D1 power forward body that we could really use if he's able to develop like some of those rebounds he got like he just looked like an absolute man down there and I think that's I I just think that's what this team is missing I'm not we're not asking him to you know throw it into the post and make post moves like get a couple offensive rebounds get a put back like that's just what this team needs 100% and one thing I did notice yesterday, I know people are making a big deal about how poorly we shot from two-point range, um, but I'm I'm okay with it because we got into the lane a lot more. We had a lot more close looks. Now, those those close looks, a lot of them were, you know, Mason Faulkner, you know, going up and missing a couple layups, like Dre Davis fading away in the lane, you know, I, even though I know that's like his shot, like, if we could just turn those into like going strong to the basket, God, that would just make such a difference because we got to the foul line and ultimately I think that helped us win the game. Like, for sure. And I, I, like, I, I know we fall in love with threes and yes, we hit some big ones down the stretch last night that propelled us to a win, but I, I still think we got to get to the rim, get in the lane more. Um, are we going to finish every time? No, but uh, I think it's a good sign that we at least got in there. You have to keep going. The issue, though, is we're a terrible team finishing. Like, yeah, we're, no, we're, we're I mean, awful around the rim. Right. But I'm with you. I mean, we got to the free throw line 34 times. And I know some of those were late because Wake Forest was fouling. But getting to the free throw line, it's not just getting to the free throw line. It's, you know, getting Alonis Williams in foul trouble. Getting, um, yeah. we had at one point with 12 minutes to go in the, in the second half. We had three of their stars with three fouls. Like that's a bigger deal than just getting points at the charity stripe. Is making sure those guys have extended time on the bench, and we were really, really good at that yesterday. Now, did we get a little bit of a friendly whistle? I think probably so. And let's yeah. talk about the the clock thing because there is no, not even an inch of <laughs> my of my being that feels sorry for Wake Forest about what happened with the clock last night. It, it, it is so perfect, ACC. That we go down there in football 
and get completely fucked by a clock operator, and then they come here in basketball. And if you missed it, you know, we missed a, a three with, what, 27 seconds to go. Matt Cross hustles down and gets the offensive rebound, kicks it back out. In that situation, the shot clock is supposed to reset to 20 seconds. It did not reset. So Wake stands around for, like, nine seconds playing defense and then realizes, oh, shit, we have to foul. Um, and that pretty much winds up being the game. And I, I get Steve Forbes being upset for the game. If I'm him, I'm doing the exact same thing. But it just felt so perfect to just – these smug, annoying Wake Forest fans that have been, been just so impossible to deal with, like just so annoying, I can't stand them. I'm glad it happened this way. I, I would have rather had it happen this way than it just have happened without any sort of scrutiny or any sort of clock error. It, it, it was perfect. I loved it. I, 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 I'm smiling brighter this morning because it happened. Uh, the thing is, I, as much as, <laughs> as much as, as happy as I was, like, I really like Steve Forbes, so I felt, I guess, a little bad for him, but I fucking hope Dave Clawson was sitting in his comfortable hotel room getting ready to play Rutgers. Uh, I hope they get destroyed the by tax- Rutgers. <laughs> What'd you say? I hope they get destroyed by Rutgers. I, I know. I actually love, I-, I love that their bowl kind of got ruined and they had to oh, yeah. Five. Seven Rutgers team. I'm like, all right, now the shoes turning a little bit. I wanted them um, to play Duke. I wanted it to be like the worst, most annoying, most terrible blase opponent possible. And Rutgers is pretty close. Yeah, no, 100. percent But um, yeah, obviously, like if we go on a little bit of a win streak here, like say six or seven games, needless to say, we need to find the shot clock operator and take him out uh, for a couple <laughs> drinks to celebrate because that, uh, I'm not saying that one is the game, obviously like credit to Sam for getting the rebound. Um, but that, that was a pretty large sequence in the game and God, I mean, the last two years, nothing has gone our goddamn way. We deserve that. Damn. I know. So, um, we'll take it. We took advantage of it. Um, uh, you know, credit to the guys. So, let, we'll move on to the next one, but I, I'm the same way as you. I do not feel bad one bit. Yeah, I said Matt Cross got the rebound. You're right. It, it was Sam. But I, I just picture Kenny Klein walking away with a limp that goes away like Kaiser Sose at the end, like just being like, like it, this was all Kenny somehow. Like he, he just sneakily walks out of the Yum Center with a shit-faced grin on his face, just like staring back at the clock and being like, yeah, that, that was all me. Um, I love you, Kenny. Yeah, Please never Kenny, leave. Kenny's got that front row seat. Like he knows exactly what's going on in the huddle. He knows what's going on in the shot clock operator. It would, it, yeah. I, I I could totally see him pulling a Kaiser so say there. My last thought from yesterday, uh, from yesterday's game. I I think Mason Faulkner. I know we we sort of joked about his premature celebration on the court, which Chris <laughs> Mack referenced after the game. I was like, what are you doing? There's 17 <laughs> seconds left. We're only up by two. Uh, but him bringing that energy, and I think he took he took a bad shot at the end of the game, but I kind of didn't hate it just because he was he was getting buckets and he was playing really hard. He also has size and bounce that I don't think the other guards that we have really do. Him playing that way can be a huge asset for us once we get to the ACC. He's got a little bit of that, of that Terry Rozier bounce to his game. I think he can get around. Like We saw him beat Wake Forest defenders off the bounce multiple times yesterday and get into the lane and then make good decisions once he got there. Like, I think he can be a huge help for this team if he plays that way. And Mac was saying, like, he's finally becoming the player that we saw glimpses of when he first got back to practice. Remember the, the story kind of took off when Jeff Goodman went to practice and said that Faulkner was the best player there. And we haven't seen that Mason Faulkner yet. He's starting to show some glimpses. Like, he could be a guy that we need to play 25, 30 minutes once we get deeper into conference play. I thought he was really good last night. Let me ask you, because I think this is maybe one of the issues that the team is having. Like, I look at the box score, um, and like last night, L. Ellis' 0 of 1 was 0 points. Dre Davis, no points, and absolutely got abused on defense pretty much the whole time he was in there. Like, one of the worst games I've seen Dre play, to be honest. He was not good. Um but, like, it just seems like, I don't know, like, does this team, like, need a consistent, and I, I know you guys, maybe you guys talk about this on the radio, I'm sure, but, like, should the rotation be consistent? Because I just think Chris Mack and the fan base, like, we put guys in and, like, we have no idea besides maybe Malik 
what we're going to get. And I think yeah. that's like the biggest problem. Like, it's just, you know, so hit or miss. Like, you put L. Ellis in against the Michigan State game, he looks like the best player we've had all year in the second half. Um, and then, really, we haven't seen a whole lot of it since. Uh, Dre Davis looked great in the first half, you know, a couple games in the first half of the year, and it seems like he's struggled lately. So, I don't know if if it's just a consistency thing, but I just think if we're trying to find a new guy every night, that's not going to work. But I don't know. I don't really know how you fix that. I'm with you. I mean, I do think that that's just kind of the makeup of this team, where it's going to be we ride the hot hand on a particular night. Like one night could be L. Ellis' night, like you said, against Michigan State, where he plays 25, 30 minutes. Another it could be Mason Faulkner, who has to be out there for 25, 30 minutes. I think that's just where you are because I think we have a lot of good, not great college players. And when that's your makeup, like we don't have an Alondis Williams. We we don't have a guy who, you know, has to be out there for damn near 40 minutes every single night. We don't have a Carl Lake Jones like we did last year or even a David Johnson. Maybe Malik Williams kind of fits that mold. He's been so good this year. I mean, he's been I, – I know he frustrates some people offensively, but defensively he's been – he's always in the right place. He's one of the – I saw he's – like number three in the country in defensive rebound rate. He's been a warrior on the board since really the first week of the of the season. Like he's the the one guy that I feel like we have to have on the floor. But besides him, like we just don't have a college star. We don't we don't have an all ACC caliber player. At least right now, maybe somebody steps up. But I think that's just kind of kind of be the makeup of this team. Yeah, I, if we can just get maybe two more guys to like say hey. This guy's going to get you 10 and 8, like a Sam last night, like 12 and 8. Or, you know, this guy's going to give you um, 11 points, you know, four assists a game. Uh, God, I, I feel like that would do wonders for this team. And then that's when the other guys kind of fill in and they can kind of be hit or miss. But, I mean, besides Malik, I, I, I do think we need a couple more guys. And I don't know who that's going to be. Um, you know, to just to be a little more consistent. And I think that would help Mac and his rotations, because to be honest, I mean, we're in game, what, what game are we, 12? And, like, I, you know, I still don't understand. Like, biggest, biggest moment, we tie it last night, like, five minutes left, here comes Sidney Curry, and, like, I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, like, here we go. Uh, like, guy hasn't scored since November, but here we go. Um, so, you know, I think he's, Max still trying to reach a little bit for what to do here, but, um yeah, I don't know. A couple more consistent guys, and I, I, we might be in better shape on the offensive end. The, the, the consistently giving playing time, too, to guys, and, and it, it was better last night, but there have been a couple of games where it's like a guy is clearly just doesn't have it that night, and he keeps coming in. It's like like L. Ellis will have driven the ball straight into a, a seven-foot big man, six straight possessions, and we'll take him out and we'll get pissed, and he'll come back in and do the same thing. And then, like, we'll be on a huge run. Jared West will hit three threes in a row. And, you know, Malik will be dying. And then it's like, here comes L off the bench. And you're, you're like, really? Right now? Like, like this is just – this is not the time. But last night I had less of a problem with the substitutions than I've had in some of the games prior. I thought maybe Max starting to get a feel. And, I mean, this is still he, – he's basically in week four of coaching this team. So it, it's understandable that there might be a, a few kinks to be worked out. But we'll see what happens. Um I had I had something else I was going to ask you, and I, I can't now. It's just escaped my mind. Um, oh, we, we have I guess news for this weekend. New Year's Day with Josh Pastner, favorite right. game that I was most excited about, got moved. We're now going to play on um, Sunday. Will be the, the Georgia Tech game in Atlanta. So 2022 already off to a shitty start, Dan. Not happy yeah. about it. Cue cue the you know meme of me and my new year's party hat with like my streamers just looking ultimately sad and confused that josh pastner day is canceled um but yeah uh i guess you know i new year's day football like i mean the the games are on new year's eve like the playoff games so like the actual new year's day games besides i do like watching the rose bowl uh, the other ones i honestly could could do with or without like yeah if, you know, if you have sports gambling in your state, I totally understand. Um, but those games don't mean anything. So honestly, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, you know, until they de develop a playoff, that's just kind of how I feel about the bowl system. So I was looking forward to the New Year's Day Louisville game, but uh, I guess we can wait one more day for Josh. I got to tell you, so like, like a month ago, you know, Mary, my wife, her birthday is, is January 3rd. 
And so she was like, I really want to go to the New Year's Day game against Georgia Tech for my birthday. Like, please get tickets. Like, like let's just work this out. Like, that'll be a, we'll make a day out of it. So, like, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm going to cash some of my chips in. Like, like text my guy and be like, hey, you know, can I, is it possible to get some tickets? Like, preferably not. And he's like, look at into. He's like, do you want tickets? Do you want sweet? And like, going back and forth. And he's like, do you realize this game's in Atlanta? And I was like, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, am I wrong here? I was like, God damn it, Mary. Like, I, I, I didn't, she was so confident and so excited about it. I didn't even check the schedule. And so I was like, I'll get back to you about potentially a, di- a different game down the line. I was like, ugh. Really tried to work it there. By the way, I saw um, everybody who requested an emergency pod last night. It's getting out of control. Like, the the emergency pod, there was a request, Dan, and I, I shit you not, and I didn't tell you this before, so you're hearing this for the first time. There was an emergency pod DM request from a member of the staff last night. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I get excited about wins too. I do, but uh, yeah, we're talking about Wake Forest. I mean, this, this isn't uh, this isn't Duke, this isn't Carolina, this isn't Kentucky. We're talking about Wake Forest. I mean, I checked my DMs at like eleven forty-five last night, getting ready for bed, and it was just like emergency pot question mark, and I was like, was it was Ross- ready for Georgia Tech? Was it Ross McMains? Just curious. You don't have to answer that. I'm not answering. Who? <laughs> Everybody can guess who it was. Uh, uh, yeah, but I was like, uh, I, I see all the emergency pod requests. I think it's funny, but come on. The standards are a little bit higher here. I know. We are. Yeah. We. I mean, would, would we like to do it? Like, of course. But, like, start <laughs> doing it for Wake Forest and we're going to do it for, like, Virginia Tech or, like, you know, we we got to set the bar somewhere. Looking back now, a little bit of reflection here as we wrap up 2021. It's the last uh, – Last episode of the pod for 2021. What are you going to remember this calendar year for when it comes to Louisville sports? Is it all going to be just drama, or th- there were some good times mixed in there as well? A couple good times. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously women's volleyball was awesome. Um, I, I would say that was a highlight. Um, we're a volleyball pod now. We are a volleyball pod. Just count down uh, the days till next season. Yeah, shout out Tori Dilfer. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I I I would be hard pressed to say it was a successful year, um, just because I I would say the two sports with the most eyes on it had pretty tumultuous years, um, but there were some good things. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm more. I don't want to say I'm more. How do I say this? I'm more curious how next year is going to go, but I'm I. God, football's just holding me back a little bit. I want to say I'm more optimistic, but I'm just having a harder time doing it. What sport are you more optimistic for, like, in the immediate future, men's basketball or football? Oh, jeez. I mean, I don't think people are going to hear this answer, but I I truly think it's football. Like, and I know we just spent a half hour shitting <laughs> God, are you still with us? I'm high on you, buddy. Um, we love Scott Satterfield. We, this is a Scott Satterfield pod. Um, I don't know. I, 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 uh, basketball is just in a tough spot, man. Like until these punishments come down, which shout out, uh, the IARP, uh, got some, I guess, Somewhat good news there with NC State, so we'll keep our fingers crossed there. But it's like keep that same energy all 2022 IRP. Keep that. Exactly. Let's make this a trend. Oh God! But I, I mean, I just think right now basketball is really handcuffed, um, and I don't know. I I, I feel like uh, I feel like the football there's there's enough um, mediocrity that we're able to improve upon. Basketball, God, I, I mean, I say that. The basketball conference is way down this year, too. So, I don't know. It, it's tough. It, it's a really hard question, but if you if you really put a gun to my head, I would say football. What about you? Oh, man, I don't even know. I mean, it, it's – I feel like they're in exactly the same places right now. Like, yeah. whatever the whatever the men's basketball equivalent of 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five is, that's where I feel like this team is. And hey, like we still got three months left. I, I can be proven totally wrong. Like I, I asked this question on the radio show a couple of days ago, and I'll ask you now. Like, what is your pers- what percentage chance do you give this men's basketball team to make the NCAA tournament as of right now? Um, 
35. So I said 30 on Tuesday. Okay. I'll, I'll up it to like 32 after the Wake Forest win. I still feel like it's more likely than not that we're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. And like, that's just not good enough. It's yeah. Like, there are no excuses this year. Like, I don't want to hear the NCAA stuff because you know what? Arizona's in the top five. Kansas yep. is in the top five. Um, LSU, even though Will Wade is probably going to go down sometime relatively soon, they're, they just lost for the first time last night. Like, there are programs that are facing similar issues. I know that they're not exactly the same, but there are programs that are facing similar issues to the ones that we're facing that are not having a hard time excelling in this moment. And we have a roster that you know, is certainly not made up of world beaters, but should be good enough to be an NCAA tournament team. And the fact that we're not on that track right now is is just not good enough. Now, having said that, like I I think that I, I've said many times, if this team doesn't make the tournament this year, I believe you need to part ways with Chris Mack. I'm not sure that's going to happen because the sense from college basketball people is that when the IARP gets back to Louisville with their responses to the not just the uh, you know the, the the FBI stuff, but when the NCAA responds to the Dino Gaudio allegations those level two violations will not be level two violations against Chris Mack. I think that's what most people believe is going to t- take place. And if that's the case, you can't fire him for free anymore. You can't fire him for cause. And we don't have $12 million lying around for a buyout. So I think that it's more likely than not that Chris Mack is your head coach next year, even if Louisville does miss the NCAA tournament. I think the only way that doesn't happen is if Mack looks for you know any port in the storm, looks for a landing spot. You can't that's fire me. I quit. Like, is there any part where he's like, you know what? It's just not working here. Let's uh, put some Scott Satterfield feelers, feelers out there. I, I think it's more pos- I think it's that's more likely than him being fired, but I, I don't think it's it's very likely either. And the other element of all this is when the IRP and the NCA come back with stuff, it could be like June, it, it could be July, and that's too late in the process to make a head coaching change. So you, you know. You, Typically, when you you make a move, you make it right after the season or just a couple of weeks after the season. And if we're not going to have our punishments by April, then you're probably you know dealing with Chris Mack for another year, whether you like it or not. So like, I, I think he's going to be here next year. I could be wrong. If this season winds up being a complete calamity, if we have like a losing record or something, then maybe you say like, like I don't care about the money. We'll work that out moving forward. We just have to move on. The athletic direct the, the athletic department like has to take the fan base into consideration. But the you athletic know? department is made up of people that are like in positions I, of power for two months. This is true. I know. That's why it's such a shit show. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. But I mean, Jesus, these atmospheres for these games—it's just such a far cry from what it used to be, and it just makes me sad. I don't. There's really no other word to put it. Like I, you know, last night. Yes, did it sound, you know, loud on TV? Of course, like, you know, and I'm I'm glad they got, like, kind of a good atmosphere, especially the last, you know, half of the game. But, I mean, it's just such a far cry from, I guess you could say, the good times that yeah. um, it just feels different. And, you know, I want to get that feeling back. And, unfortunately, for, for Chris Mack, for Scott Satterfield, it seems like, most of the fan base, uh, you know, has has kind of checked out, and it's probably going to take a change at some point for for some of those fans that have checked out to kind of jump back in with two feet, unless you start winning. So, um, winning cures all. So hopefully we go on like a nice little streak. Hopefully this is the start of something here. We get the good energy back, and uh, who knows what could happen. Yeah, I, I think it's a long road back, but. I would love to be proven wrong. Would love yep. to see this team catch fire and, and have a really <clears throat> enjoyable January, February, March. That would be awesome, but we'll see. Uh, do you have – we've rambled long enough here. Is there a Dan in the Dump story from the holidays or from before? Do you have a good story for this week? I, I, you can take this how you want. I know I've been off with these, so I apologize. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. When you have kids, like, they, they ask funny questions or sometimes they do quirky things where – you start to like I have conversations you never thought you'd be having. So like my five year old daughter Lila, she is just the sweetest. I mean like, like I'm totally, you know, she has me wrapped around her finger. I would do anything for the girl, um, nice as can be. Um, 
But for some reason, I don't know what it is. Like, she's really obsessed. And obsessed is like a weird word. I don't want to think we're like sadistic or anything. But like, <laughs> she's very curious about people dying. And I've had to have these like conversations lately. That I'm like, I can't believe like, if you would have looked at me like 10 years ago, like explaining this to a five-year-old, you would have never believed it. But like this summer we are in North Carolina. I'm just driving with my kids and there's like a Dale Earnhardt car. I'm like, see that car guys? That's like the best NASCAR driver that ever lived. And like my son's like, Oh, like, is he still race? And I'm like, no, like, unfortunately, like, he's in heaven. And, like, they're like, well, what happened? I'm like, am I really going down this road here? I'm like, well, he, he actually crashed during a race. And, like, Lila's like, can I see the video? <laughs> and I'm like, is this appropriate? Like, so, like, I actually did throw the video on. Like, no, no. it's not a, it's it wasn't, like, an absolute destructive <laughs> video. But, like. After I showed the video, she comes back and she's like, no, I actually want to see the video of him dying. And I'm like, okay, well, now, now we've gone too far. Like, I, I like, you don't, I'm like, Lila, we don't, that's really not something that's out there and you don't really look at stuff like that. Like, and uh, again, I've already gone down this rabbit hole. It's been my fault. Well, like this past week on the way home, like, I don't know how we got talking on cruise ships, but we started talking about the Titanic. And, oh my god. Yeah, it's like next thing you know, like I'm telling my kids like the Titanic went down with all these people and like again, I'm passing my phone back like cuz I want to show them pictures of what the Titanic ship looked like. Um but like they start scrolling through Google images and like there's like pictures of like, you know, from the movie of like the boat like cracking in half. So now I'm getting like peppered with questions about what happened when they went into the water and I'm like, what did I just do here? Like um so anyways, if you have kids, try to stay away from these conversations. I don't know what I'm turning my kids into, but uh, that's kind of the road we're going down right now. It's like in Knocked Up with a little girl in the backseat. is like, I Googled murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, I don't know, like, where these questions are coming from. Um, but, yeah, I, my, my daughter will forever know who Dale Earnhardt is. Oh, that's fucking funny. Um, all right, we're, we're going to be better about podcasts in 2022. We're, we're going to, to have one a week. We're not going to have a three week, uh, sort of collapse like we had. The holidays were tough. We, we do, we could, I say that after having admitted that you were on a two week bender for the last, <laughs> like holidays were tough. It's like, have we heard from Dan in a week and a half? <laughs> we will be better in 2022. Hopefully. These teams can give us uh, some exciting stuff to talk about. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to know when new episodes are available uh, on whatever platform you use. Just hit subscribe. If you can give us a nice rating, leave us a review. We always love that. We read the reviews on the show to try to encourage you to make that happen. I don't think we have any new reviews for this week, although I didn't check, so maybe we do. If we did, apologies. We'll get to you the next time. But until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Happy New Year. Go Cards.